Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, Oregon is traveling to Cal this weekend. Cal's always been tough for Oregon. Some about Cal and Oregon always seems to be uh, always seem to present a problem for uh, for the uh, for the Ducks. And I think if you are somebody who is uh, you know interested in following this Oregon Cal game, you got to ask yourself what I was asking myself not too long ago. I was literally going, okay, what do I who do I talk to at Cal? And I worked in the Bay Area. I worked at the Mercury News. They don't have a Cal writer, really. In the Chronicle, used to have great Cal writers. And I thought, you know, so I asked my friend who's a huge Cal fan. I said, who does the best job on Cal? And he says, write for Cal. The fearless leader of write for Cal, Avinash Kunath, is joining us right now. How you doing? Give me the genesis, first of all, for write for Cal. Yeah, John. Um, so Right for Cal is basically an offshoot of California Golden Blogs, which I think you're pro- most of your audience is probably more familiar with. Um, we, used to be, uh, we used to be affiliated with SB Nation back in the day, and then some labor stuff happened, and we had to move uh, onto our own sub stacks, and now we have our own independent site, but we're covering the Bears. We're just a bunch of fans. We've been doing this for almost 15 years now, and, uh, yeah, we've been just going strong since then. You've gone rogue like I've gone rogue. I like that. Uh, so give me an idea. This has been a tough year, and I've been following you. You're a hell of a follow on Twitter as well. You're funny, and you're interesting, and you get to the point, and I like that. And yeah, So give me an idea of what this season has been like for, for you and for Cal fans. Yeah, it has been a kind of a reckoning. I think kind of everything it started basically in the off season. I mean, you, you've covered it like with Justin Wilcox in Oregon. Um, our head coach was being rumored after a five and seven season to be the next head coach at Oregon. And then that didn't really happen. And then suddenly he was the Cal coach for the next five years. And we kind of just reset the dime and did the same thing over. And since that's been the season from hell, we've kind of just, you know, made mistake after mistake. We've lost, games we shouldn't have the offense has kind of fallen apart we've had injuries and in place to place um and then obviously we had the the terrible the terrible defeat in boulder um and yeah Cal's just had a really rough season we haven't really had much go our way this year and it doesn't really seem like there's um going to be much 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 better there's not gonna be much improvement on that on that front yeah, it, it's tough, and I know, you know, it's interesting. I heard from some Oregon fans who said, oh, gosh, we're glad we didn't get Justin Wilcox. You know, what are fans there saying? Are, are they, uh, have they had enough? Or, you know, he's con- his contract just got extended, didn't it? Yes. Uh, Wilcox, I believe, had his contract extended through 2027, and the buyout is considerable, so I don't believe there's going to be much movement on that front, um, I think. We've done, our team has done some significant analysis on that. Um, there's not really a path toward making like a coaching move or anything along those lines. From the, the well, from what I'm hearing from the donors, it sounds like they're still on board. But I think the Colorado loss, like losing to well, last place Colorado, probably the worst team in Power Five football, um, really really shook a lot of people. And now there's just a lot of people thinking about what's next and what can we do to like change this the situation now there's probably going to be a reset of the Cal offense and who is running that like Bill Musgrave has not been 
terribly successful in his tenure here at Berkeley, so there's probably going to be a reset there. Um, we did bring in Steve Greatwood as an analyst. Obviously, most Oregon people know who he is uh, to kind of like monitor the offensive line, which has been very poor this year. Um, so I think what you're going to see is another reset of the offensive staff, and I think a lot of it will depend on what happens in the big game against Stanford. If Cal loses to Stanford, a very bad Stanford team, I think you're going to see a lot more donor input into who the next offensive coordinator is. Like right now, Wilcox has kind of had like free reign as to like what he he does on offense and like who he hires and who he picks. But I think if Cal just bottoms out, there's going to be a lot more pressure from him on the don- from the donors. This football game with Oregon, it just seems to me that, you know, you look at the last couple of few years that Justin Wilcox has played Oregon pretty well. Do, do they get up for this game? Is it something personal to Justin? Uh, is it maybe more about Mario Cristobal who played not to lose at times? How do you how do you sort of assess Cal's relative success against Oregon in the last couple of meetings? Yeah, I think I think what made Oregon a little bit more easier to game plan against was Cristobal did play kind of a more conservative style of offense. Like Oregon would take a lead and they kind of sit on it, um, and they would. They didn't have, like, really great dual-threat guys. Like, Justin Herbert was very much a pocket quarterback. Anthony Brown obviously had his struggles. Um, this year, I'm less optimistic because Bo Nix is kind of the quarterback that that gives Wilcox a lot of trouble. Um, I think the quarterback that we have not figured out in this conference is Dorian Thompson-Robertson at UCLA because he's dual-threat. He can run. He can do all sorts of things outside of the pocket. He forces our linebackers to defend in space and – that's just not the defense Wilcox has ever been comfortable with dating back to his days as a defensive coordinator. So I don't have a ton of hope that we'll slot Bo Nix. It's going to have to be Bo Nix that stops Bo Nix. Yeah, but yeah, I, and I think Oregon, you know, unfortunately is coming into this game probably, uh, Avinash, they're probably, he's probably coming into this game going, we they need to make a statement the with the college football playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday. So this could be, this could be unfortunate. Um, the, the game itself is there something Cal can do in this game or you expect them to do in this game to try to keep this thing manageable or what gives them the best shot? Yeah, I mean, the, you, you saw last week against Washington where they kind of just kind of forced Oregon to Washington to drive down the field but didn't let them score. Um, it was 6 nothing at halftime, and then they kind of hung around for most of the game. I mean, that's the best shot is just to force a lot of yards but not a lot of touchdowns. Um, make it make it a very manageable game in front of them, like force Oregon to dinking and dunking, not making too many like deep throws, and just have to hope that they can win by paper cuts and win a very low-scoring, low-variance low sort of game. The only issue I think Cal faces is that they, they have trouble scoring. Like, they haven't hit 30 points since opening week. They haven't played. They haven't scored. Well, they, they, except against Arizona, but, like, they haven't scored more than – three points in the last three half first half they've played. They've scored three points against Washington State. They've scored zero against Colorado, zero against Washington. And if they had if they do that again against Oregon, they're toast. They have to score to start the game and they have to score pretty quickly to maintain pace. One of the big issues going on in the background with the Pac twelve conference is the UC Regents meeting coming up in November. Uh, UCLA obviously as our listeners know, along with USC trying to leave this conference. Um, how does that Regents meeting in your world, uh, how is it shaping up? Uh, what is what is Cal hoping for? What's the outcome that you expect? Do you have your 
your finger on the pulse of the UC system better than we do? Yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty complex situation because you have UCLA kind of unilaterally deciding to leave the conference without consulting anyone inside the state, and that's ruffled a lot of political feathers um, inside the, the, the state um, from the governor. Like, the governor made a statement. Governor Newsom made a statement exp- expressing significant displeasure. You have people inside the regions who are pretty loyal to UC Berkeley who don't are not huge fans of UCLA just going off and trying to make revenue on their own. So I think I think this next meeting in mid-November is going to be pretty crucial. I, I it's still unclear whether anything will happen, but it's clear that there's a lot of unhappy people um, inside the inside the political offices of the of the California public system. Um, I think. Cal is not going to say anything. I think what they are aiming for is trying to find what is what makes the most sense for them financially. Obviously, Cal has significant athletic debt from the Memorial Stadium renovation that's still ongoing, um, that they're still trying to pay off debt-wise. So they're looking for, I think, what makes the most sense for them financially. Obviously, Cal would love to get an invite to the Big Ten. I think Oregon and Washington have also explored that. Um, Stanford, I think, has also put out some feelers in that in that way. I think it's just a matter of like what what um, will make the best sense for them financially. So they're just keeping their cards close until the regents make their decision as to what goes on with UCLA. And I think UCLA is still probably going to end up in the Big Ten. It's just going to be a matter of whether there's any financial rec- rec- recompense. Yeah, I think you know, I think UCLA is a little worried about the financial part of it. I initially had said, you know, would UCLA pay a subsidy? And then someone in the UC system reached out to me and said, no, they won't want UCLA to be writing a check to to uh, UC Berkeley. They'll want, uh, they'll just not fund them at the same level. Doesn't does that make sense to you, or does that penalize the student body? Does it penalize the academic side of the operation and let the athletic side kind of walk? Yeah, I mean. The- I think I think the um, the institutional support for UCLA athletics has been a little bit stronger just because of UCLA has had better success athletically recently. Um, I think Cal is still kind of in this existential crisis as to whether they want to be a major athletic player, and we're kind of just we've just kind of been gliding along with everyone else because we've been in the Pac-10, the Pac-12, and that conference has just kind of generated revenue on its own. But now that now the Big Ten has decided to make this play to become the super conference. Um, we're kind of forced into a position where we have to decide whether we want to be part of that game or do we want to opt out of it altogether. Now, there's still hope that the Pac-10 can stay together. Well, the new Pac-10 stays together and can can kind of weather that course. But I think considering like how much debt the university still has to um, recover from the stadium renovations um, and all these other athletic programs that Cal is still funding. I think we still have over 30 um, revenue, revenue and non-revenue sports um, on campus. We have to make some decisions as to like what what course can we chart so that we are able to, you know, stay stay in a place. We we need to have like um, just a kind of financial ability to to, to chart our course, and we we're not going to get that with um, with where we are right now. All right, this game coming up Saturday. Um, I don't. I, I I don't see a way that Cal wins this game. But how are you? Do you make a prediction at right for Cal? Uh, yeah, I did. I did predict a, a pretty um, 
steady Oregon victory. I, I do think that because it's in Berkeley, for some reason Cal has played much better at home uh, the last couple of years than they have on the road, that we can make it uncomfortable for a little bit. And Oregon, obviously, I think, I think you know, after having a major win against UCLA and, like, charting through, like, the, uh, a significant rebound from the Georgia loss and just, like, rolling through the schedule, this might be a good place for them to get trip up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's basically if Oregon comes in and is kind of a little lackadaisical, then, yeah, we can we can hang around and probably punch our weight. Um, like, Cal still has good skill players. I think Jeremiah Hunter was injured last week. He'll be back this week. Um, Jaden Ott obviously um, has shown he's he's capable. So if we can if we can get some turnovers and you know produce a few weapons, produce a few like um, quick hitting attacking plays, then we might be able to keep pace for a while. But I think I think Oregon is pretty much um, in position with their offensive line to kind of charge their way to about a two touchdown, two touchdown victory. Vinash Kunath, I appreciate you making time. Hey, you had jury duty. You got out of jury duty. I applaud you for that. Yeah. Did you you get dismissed? Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, that, that's what happened. Was that a difficult thing, or did you just say, "Hey, I uh, I write for right for Cal," and they were like, "Okay, get out of here. You're opinionated." Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of UC Berkeley judges around here, so maybe that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, hey, good luck to you, man. I appreciate what you do, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Take care. All right, there he is. Good stuff. At Right for Cal, if you're looking for him on Twitter. Uh, interesting. Uh, I also don't see any way that, that Cal wins. I just don't see any way that Cal wins this game. We're going to go back through our Pac-12 picks coming up. Plus, uh, you'll get Petros Papadakis from FS1 uh, at 4 o'clock. I want you to leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I got a whole bunch of things to talk about. We're going to talk about the Pac-12. We'll take some phone calls. Big splash. Petros Papadakis at 4 o'clock. Connor is in Dallas, Texas, and it's called in. He's a Utah fan. Connor, what's up, man? Hey, John. How are you? Doing well. Good. Hey, a couple of things. Uh, I agree with what you said. There's a lot of tentacles with this. Um, do we know when Whittingham and Rising had that conversation of when he's starting? Because it doesn't seem like, I mean, even if it's 30 minutes for game time, it doesn't seem like Whittingham is like, oh, the first thing I need to do is contact FS1 right. or whoever there. Yeah. Um, I, I was told that it was, uh, it was under 20. It was under 20 minutes before kickoff. So the team was already back, apparently gone back into the locker room. Yeah, so Whittingham just doesn't strike me as a guy that really cares a lot about anything but football. So uh, I had I thought about that. And then secondly, I, I mean, Fox is a little upset about this, but at the same time, Fox kind of went behind the Pac-12 and everyone. Uh, if, if we're assuming they led, you know, the media rights still changes yeah. in the summer. And so, I don't know, those two points kind of mm-hmm. hit, hit home for me. But just curious what your thoughts are. Thanks. For yeah, it's a, good, it's a good point. I think there's bad feelings. Um, I, I have heard from... I have heard from now three ADs in the conference. Two of them have reached out to me on commercial breaks of this show to tell me how unhappy they are with FS1 in different ways. And uh, it's really interesting to get those phone calls. And they are three ADs not in the Pacific Northwest. So it narrows it down for you. I don't want to out who these people are because – they're just calling to, to vent and give their opinion. But the the phone calls kind of go like this. Don't even get me started with FS1. That, that's what the phone call starts with. 
with all three of them. And then they get started on FS1 and how unhappy they are. Uh, I agree on the Kyle Whittingham front. Like, he's laser-like focused. He's focused. And, and my point in writing the column is not to criticize Utah. It's not, I, like, I don't know if I'm Kyle Whittingham, if I would have done anything different. My point is not to call out the sports information department at Utah, because how are they supposed to know? Like, it's not their job to make that decision. They're just the conduit. You know, they are the relay. So uh, it's not them. Um, I think FS1, the broadcasters themselves, are in a bad position because they don't have good information. So, I, you know, my point is to call it them. My point, I guess, is to raise the question, like, does the college football program owe anyone information prior to kickoff? Do they owe it to TV partners? Do they owe it to gamblers? Do they owe it to opponents? We've seen media rights fees skyrocket. What are the contractual relationships like here? Are they about to get stickier? Like, will the next deal, will, will the Pac-12's deal with Amazon have explicit language saying we need to know who the starting quarterbacks are on both teams prior to kickoff? Like, will they have that language in there? And who will get that information? It's really interesting stuff. Guys, we'll go into the Pac-12 picks in the 4 o'clock hour. But I want to put this to rest just by saying that uh, last night's game, I did pick it correctly. But I don't feel good about it. I kind of feel like I uglied my way into a win. I just thought Washington State playing at home would play Utah close enough so that Utah would not cover the spread. And when I saw Cam Rising wasn't playing, i got to be honest, I went, oh, uh, I would have changed my pick. Uh, I would have picked Utah or Washington State to win the game outright at home with no Cam Rising playing. Come on. But um, I thought the officiating last night, there were a couple of targeting calls that I felt like both fan bases were upset. And, and where do you guys stand? What do you guys make of targeting right now in college football? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a Pac-12 game without a targeting controversy. Like, that <laughs> that was my first thought. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, it's going to happen in the Pac-12 game. Um, You know, it's a tough call because at the same, we want people to be safe, but at the same time, we want it to be football. So I think, I think we've gone a little bit too far in the way of safety, which sounds terrible to say out loud, but I really feel like we've gone almost too far, and now they're being ultra-conservative and throwing more targeting out that needs to be called, if that makes sense. I mean, isn't there, there's like the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, and we've gone way too far into the letter. Like, keep players safe. Absolutely. We need to do that. But some of these, I mean, they're not even big-time hits. It's just, well, technically, I saw just the top of his crown. He's gone. It's it's absurd. Yeah, I mean, I had Utah in the game, and that the call right by the goal line before the first half ended, like, I didn't even agree with that call. And it's like I was rooting for Utah because yeah. I wanted him to win and I had him in the game. So, like, I, I was, I'm with Peter. Like, it's the letter of the law, yeah, but at the same time, it's not the spirit of the game. I think um, I think it's a bad rule, and but I think they called the rule correctly if they're calling it by the rule book that, that I could see, okay, yeah, was it – were they leading with the crown? Yeah. Was there helmet to helmet? Yeah. You know, I – but I think it's a bad rule because I think I think what they're trying to do is give us all the illusion that they care about player safety, and then they're using this rule to kind of look. Well, see, we care about player safety, but there's lots of ways where they don't care about player safety. And I think so. I think all in all, like I think they need to take a look at the rule. And I also think um, I don't like like the fact that the players are missing multiple times. I almost feel like it should just be 15 yards. Uh, because after these two calls are are made, the players aren't even tackling. There were a couple of plays where I like uh, I'm like these guys are afraid to tackle right now, and I think it's kind of ruining the game in that respect. 
Uh, we got a World Series starting. We'll talk about that later in the show. We also are going to talk with Petros Papadakis. He's coming up next. He is the FS1 broadcaster who was on the game last night. He will uh, tell us his side of the story and give us a tour inside what it's like to be a broadcaster on a game like that. And uh, we'll get a we'll get a talk with him, and then we will give our picks for the rest of the Pac-12 games later in the show. We'll talk about uh, Oregon's path to the college football playoff. I'm going to ask Petros about the stuff that was said on the halftime broadcast last night by Emmanuel Echo. He basically said he can't forget Oregon's opening week loss. What does Petros have to say about that? Leave it here. <laughs> 